Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Five Total Podcast. As always, I'm George Klein. This week, I was joined by Arthur Jellin, and we talked about a lot of the stuff happening in the NFL and had a couple breaking news stories while we were recording the podcast, so we got into those as well. So a lot of fun stuff. Again, October is just a fantastic month for sports, so really enjoying it, really diving in on everything, having a lot of fun. So thank you for listening and hope you enjoy. All right. So it's the middle of October now. I'm here with Arthur Jellin. We went through some technical difficulties as always, but we're here. We're ready to go. Really fascinating week in the NFL last week for sure. The Sunday night game between the Chiefs and the Patriots was astounding. Oh, yeah. Also, just a quick note. I have a little bit of a cold. So if my voice is a little iffy, just that's the reason. And I apologize in advance for that. But the Chiefs Pats game was unreal. Just a wild offensive shootout. Teams were scoring left and right. It, for me, at least, it came down to who, whoever had the ball last and the Patriots just ended up having the ball last. The Chiefs scored really quickly to, to tie the game because Tyreek Hill was wide open. And then Tom Brady did as Tom Brady always does, drives the ball down the field, leads his team to a field goal. No one could stop anyone else in that second half. So I came away believing more in, in the Kansas City Chiefs than I had been. I was always a little bit wary just because of the Chiefs, but I think they are really, really good. And I thought, I thought that for a while, but now I'm officially more firm in that. So I think that I could definitely see them as the second best team in this conference now. What were your thoughts on the game and, and I guess just anything? Yeah, I, I, I'll just start by saying I, I agree that I think they're, they've solidified themselves as the second best team. I don't think the Jaguars or Steelers are anywhere close to the second best team at this point in the season. We'll get to the Jaguars a little bit later, but, um, yeah, it, it, it was, it was a very interesting game because obviously the Patriots got out to that halftime lead 24 nine and you think, all right, they're going to throttle it. But sure enough, Pat Holmes really kind of showed his medal. Um, came back from two tough first half interceptions and basically perfect in the second half with four touchdowns and like 300 more passing yards in that half alone. So, um, it also showed a lot of glaring weaknesses with those teams coming into the game. Everyone knew the Chiefs had arguably the worst defense in the league and they did very little out, outside of the third quarter when they held the Patriots to a couple field goals. Uh, they didn't, they didn't get a punt the entire night from the Patriots. Uh, they were pretty much able to carve them up, uh, very easily outside of the one fumble that they were able to force. Um, so that, that's obviously something we need to address. They do have injuries. They'll get Justin Houston back and hopefully Eric Berry at some point. And um, for the Patriots, it, it's, it's still their defense um, like it has been. Uh, but as bad as their defense looks at times and how slow all their linebackers look in pass coverage uh, and how the safeties look just totally inept covering tight ends, um, the offense just it, it looks, I'll use your word that you used earlier, just looks astounding. Uh, Josh Gordon coming along faster than I think anybody thought possible, and definitely that I thought possible, has really uh, solidified himself as the outside receiver at this point in the season. Uh, and with Edelman back, that opens up everything inside. Uh, and Gronk is still commanding two or three people on every play, but now that they have people outside of Chris Hogan and Philip Dorsett, uh, when Gronk's getting two or three guys, that means two other guys are going to be wide open or in one-on-one coverage, which they're perfectly capable of beating. Um, so I, I think 
this game proved that while the Patriots have their weaknesses, uh, they've had weaknesses in the past and still been able to claim home field advantage. Uh, I sure hope they do because playing the Chiefs again uh, with a little more health and playing them in Arrowhead, uh, assumingly in the AFC Championship, would definitely be a tougher matchup than uh, having them at home again uh, with the second look. Um, so those are kind of my thoughts on the game. But uh, to kind of recap, I, do, I, I was very uh, pleased with the Chiefs' performance uh, and Pat Mahomes' performance. And I think the way Tom Brady sprinted across the field uh, at the final buzzer to go congratulate and talk in Pat Mahomes' ear uh, was kind of all you needed to know. Yeah, I agree with, with pretty much all that you said. It was It's funny looking back at a couple weeks ago where we were all sort of wondering or we were all sort of thinking, wow, New England honestly doesn't have that many weapons on offense anymore, especially with Edelman being suspended. But then they just make the right move. They get Josh Gordon. Edelman comes back from his suspension. Sony Michelle starts to really get rolling. And all of a sudden, this is an offense where there's a bunch of pieces that work together well, and it's really hard to stop them. It's, I think it's what we all expected. New England seems to always get off to slow starts, just takes a while to get into their stuff. But now we're in the middle of the season, and they're just kind of rolling. And again, you look at that AFC East, I don't see anyone stopping them. Congratulations to Miami for, you know, Reaching four and two, that was a surprising win against Chicago last week, in in my view. But no one, let's be honest, no one in that division is challenging the Patriots for this year. And it's another year where we'll see New England go twelve and four, thirteen and three. This will come down to AFC Championship game and Super Bowl type stuff. And Kansas City really could be that team. And yeah, you know Mahomes is so so good. Really impressive how he rallied back. I had a similar sort of view once it was 24-9. I was, I was thinking, okay, this is a classic. Challenger came into New England kind of game, and New England just absolutely beat the crap out of them and showed that they're the best team. But a lot of resilience there. And though I will say for New England, it has to be a little bit concerning just on defensive side because that's what hurt you in the Super Bowl last year and things really don't seem to be set with that against the best teams in the league but that, that offense at least is really rolling and is really hard to stop so yeah I just New England's back it's hard for me to say it sucks but it is what it is and no one in this conference I don't see anyone outside of Kansas City at this point in time really having much of a chance so I think that they go far once again. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think there's ever a doubt of that. It's just kind of who the challenger will be has changed as the Steelers dropped out pretty early and they had their nice little come from behind victory, but, uh, and last second victory, but you kind of have to put an asterisk next to it because it was against the Bengals, uh, and, and the Jaguars who we'll, we'll dive into have had some pretty poor showings in the past couple weeks. Yeah. Let's get into Jacksonville. I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but all of a sudden getting exposed on defense, Blake Bortles seems to be his most Blake Bortles-esque. And three and three, struggling. They're, they're lucky that there's no incredible team in that division right now. There's just a bunch of three and three teams kind of all clumped together. So they have a chance to turn them around. They can get right back to where they want to be. 
But right now, things aren't really looking so hot. And we talked in the off in the off season about everyone was saying how kind of strange it was that you signed Blake Bortles to a sizable extension when there were guys that they could have gone and that they could have got out or at least tried. I'm thinking of a Kirk Cousins type of player or even roll the dice and see if a Teddy Bridgewater has anything like that. I mean, the Jets brought him in, didn't really have a place for him. Now he's the Saints backup quarterback, but he's a guy, he looked really good in preseason. I don't know. Might have been worth just trying to see if there was anyone out there who could provide some more momentum than what. Because my thing with Bortles is, again, when he's on, he's on, and he was on against New England and looked unstoppable. But a lot of the time he's there with these 160-yard, one-touchdown, one-interception games. And honestly, what, what matters to me is at the end of the game, who's a, pl- who's a quarterback who I know can drive the ball down the field and just move the ball up and down? So we saw Brady, and that goes without saying, but you know that when, when Brady's on the 20-yard line, you know that, that he's, that he's going to move his team and at least give them an opportunity. And Mahomes, as young as he is and as much as we don't want to um, overstate things, in that game against New England, he was able to you know move move the ball down the field. And in his NFL career, he's seen we've seen in the fourth quarter he's able to get the ball on on his own side and at least just move it to the other. And with Blake, it's always up in the air because it can be a real struggle for him just to gain 20, 30 yards. And I would say he's holding Jacksonville back, but the defense has looked awful too. I'm not entirely sure what happened with the Cowboys. Uh, a team that struggled to put up points all year and they just run over them. So what do you think about the Jaguars and where they're at? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll kind of build off your point with um, just needing to trust a quarterback. Yeah. I don't even think you could really trust Blake Bortles in the last three minutes of a game. Um, I'll, I'll use Aaron Rodgers as an example last night when he gets the ball back. Well, with about five minutes left in the game down by a touchdown, you know, I, I'd slap, Ten dollars on the Packers money line. Yeah. Cause no doubt in my mind they're going to win that game. And you give them the ball on the ten yard line uh, with no timeouts and a minute left. It's the exact same as giving Brady the ball back with ten, like on the ten yard line with a minute left. Like chances are better than not, um, he's going to find a way to win the game. Just like kind of last year in the Super Bowl, down eight, they get the ball ten yard line, no timeouts, forty seconds left, and I'm like, there's still a pretty damn good chance that they could go win this game. Uh, and that's just, I mean, that's an extreme case, but it's Blake Bortles is nowhere near uh, that point. And if your defense, especially gets you down 24, nothing, that's a nail in the coffin. 14, nothing is enough. Uh, just with that, that offense that can just be totally anemic at times. But if you go down 24, nothing in the first half, you might as well forfeit the rest of the game. Uh, and, and it's just interesting from what I saw, uh, the way they attack the Patriots is by being like overly aggressive. They, they just were throwing it when in normal, like running situations, passing it in obvious passing situations, just keeping the foot on the gas the entire time. And I think the problem with the Jaguars is kind of a young team as a team that has an identity, but doesn't always stick to it is just, just treating every opponent the same. Uh, like they, just want the Patriots because they were kind of disrespected going to the AFC Championship last year, blew that lead, felt they should have won, and then come into this year and get them at home and just kind of smash them right in the mouth. Um, but, 
you have to have that mentality into every game. And that's what separates teams like the Patriots from teams like the Jaguars. So, um, but going to the Cowboys, I mean, who knows what to make of this team at this point? Uh, I mean, Cole Beasley just shredding uh, the Jacksonville defense from the outside to the inside. Uh, Jalen Ramsey just not being able to match up with really anyone when he's he talks more than anybody in the league. Um, obviously, Ezekiel Elliott's going to do Ezekiel Elliott things, but Dak didn't look like an incompetent NFL quarterback. And I never thought he was incompetent. Uh, I, I support Dak and don't really think he deserves the blame for a lot of the Cowboys' struggles. But, um, I mean, there's really no explanation. Uh, it, it's kind of like who do you put more of the praise or more of the blame on? Do you put more praise on the Cowboys' offense or blame the Jaguars' defense for rolling over? So the Jaguars have a really important game this week against the Texans. Teams three and three, same division, and everything's kind of in a clump there. And the Texans got off to a really, really bad start. Watson looked like a shell of his former self, and he still doesn't look anything exactly like what we saw last year as a guy who looked ready to take over the league, but he's been confident, and things are seemingly starting around into form, but I don't necessarily believe in them yet. So is this a game, do you think that the Jaguars come out and look really good, look like the team that we're used to seeing and they beat the Texans? I would lean towards yes, but honestly, I'm not overly sure. I could see a close game that the Jaguars kind of eke out. I, I could see that too. I think the Jaguars are much more talented than the Texans, sort of from top to bottom. Uh, obviously, they have a discrepancy at the quarterback position. Uh, but even though the, the Texans have that talented defensive line, I think at every single position on the defense, the Jaguars have an advantage. And then running back in a couple wide receiver positions, um, they're just, they are the better team, but they are a better team than Dallas and they didn't, uh, take care of business. Uh, but this is kind of like a make or break game. It's a big division game. You don't want to be considered a top two team in the conference and then drop to three and four at this point in the season. Uh, that that's you really can't do that. Uh, so I, I fully expect the Jaguars to turn it around, stop this little skid that they're on. Uh, in our preseason predictions, we we thought this would be a pretty tight division and that the Jaguars would come out on top, but that they could certainly be challenged by the other teams. And I think that's mostly come true at this point. And especially if the Texans can win this game uh, and the Titans can get another win. Uh, suddenly the Jaguars really find themselves completely out of the driver's seat uh, and having to really scrape together, and, you know, week seven of the season and you're under 500, you're kind of shooting for a wild card at that point. Uh, the division might be out of hand. So I think it's really a must win for them and, and they, they should win it. Uh, but with this young team that kind of loves focusing on the extracurriculars as opposed to the game itself, uh, you can never really be sure. Yeah, so I don't normally do this, but I like to refresh ESPN while I'm talking with you just to see if there's anything happening. And we've got two interesting stories that just popped up. Um, so I'd love to get into that with you. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to kind of spring it on you. But okay, first one is the Giants owner. Um, he, he made some comments, which are now on the front page on ESPN about OBJ, and he said, I wish he would create the headlines by his play on the field as opposed to what he says and what he does off the field. I think he needs to do a little more playing and a little less talking. And 
with with all the jar with all the giant stuff and everything that's 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 happening this is obviously this will get major play in new york uh obj has been very open about how he wants the ball thrown downfield a little more he's concerned just a lot about a lot of things um and honestly i think most of it's fair the giants are so so bad we have been playing on talking about the giants anyway uh but they're one in five right now and eli manning we've We've talked about this a lot before. He just he can't move an offense anymore. He's totally washed up, and it's about three three years too late. But now, owner talking about Odell Beckham Jr. It's just a rough situation. Uh, clearly, a lot of discontent in that building. I don't know. I think it's time for the Giants to rebuild. Everyone except for Odell Beckham Jr. and Barkley. But do you think? And where do you think this situation goes? Do you think it's just a thing of owner wanted to want to speak out against OBJ and make his point, or is this a thing? Is this a situation to monitor moving forward? Um, I mean, I, I'm just so annoyed whenever I hear this stuff. I'm not obviously not even a Giants fan. I dislike the Giants a little bit, but I, I just hate hearing this kind of stuff from the Giants over the past couple of years, where they just throw all the blame on OBJ. It, it's so ridiculous. He's by far and away their best player and has been the best player since he came into the league. And to blame him for all this dysfunction and stuff is such a lame cop-out by ownership, management, the coaching staff, anybody on that team. They have so many other problems than him, and he's really the only thing that keeps them relevant and afloat at times. Uh, if he gets a couple touchdown passes, or I mean a couple touchdown receptions, that usually means they win the game. Uh, but if he does anything on the sidelines showing emotion, doing anything to try to fire himself up and his teammates up, it just gets blown out of proportion to this thing that's meant to sink the entire team. It, it's just so bogus and, and just ridiculous that they pay so much attention to it. If the owner traded him when he had the chance and when OBJ wanted to trade instead of giving him uh, the – highest paid wide receiver contract ever. Uh, and if he wants him to shut up, he's been very clear about what he wants. He wants a quarterback that can get him the ball downfield as he rightfully should and just be on a winning team. Uh, so I, 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 I don't, I think the Giants owner has had a success in the past. I think I'll be a total fool and idiot right now. And uh, none, none of these new coaching administration ownership moves have, have worked out for them besides signing OBJ, who is the face of the franchise. Love it with the strong take. Yeah, and, no, it just, it's, it's so dumb. And it honestly makes me wonder, what would the Giants do with a guy like Antonio Brown, who in a lot of ways is, is even more like, who does even more of these kinds of things where these guys are, are really, really talented and, they want the ball in spots where they know that that they can perform. And with with OBJ, it's like I get that sometimes if you're from a front office perspective, you you wonder what this guy's doing and maybe if he's going a little bit overboard. But it shows that he cares and he cares a lot. And if I'm on a bad team, these are the kinds of guys that I want. Where at least they show some part. At least they do care. When a lot of the times the rest of the team just seems to kind of go in this monotone, neutral kind of way where they get stomped every weekend, they're all right with that. And what I respect about Odell is he's not okay with just sitting there and and letting his team just get absolutely wrecked. He wants to compete. He wants to win. And I mean, and also the situation has been brewing for a while now, a couple of years. It's been, he, he didn't just immediately come out and start blasting the organization, but he's let things 
be known over the last couple of years, things that he's not happy about, and nothing got fixed. So now he's left with this spot where, yeah, it does kind of suck for him. So I get where, where he's coming from. And I mean, if the Giants, you know, take any really, really strong stance in terms of, I don't know, player punishments or kinds of things like, like that, if it even progresses further, then that's just even more ridiculous. And we can springboard into another conversation we planned on having. There's a lot of talk about, in New York especially, about how the Giants, they took Saquon Barkley with the second pick. And Saquon Barkley's been incredible. He's been amazing. He's been everything. He's been even better than advertised. I honestly think he's he can be the best running back in this league for a while. But people are wondering, hey, maybe we should have taken a quarterback. Maybe we should have taken Sam Darnold, where it's a franchise quarterback and that position is just so much more important than running back in roster construction in the NFL at this point in time. I don't know. It's a tricky question because the Giants will go like 2-14, and 3-13 and 13 this year. So they'll have another chance to draft a quarterback next year. But in my opinion, no one as good as Sam Darnold is available. But So I'm kind of torn on the issue. I guess I would say, yeah, honestly, as tough as, as, as it is to pass on a guy like like Saquon Barkley, I might lean a little more towards franchise quarterback just because as a Jets fan, I know what happens when you don't have that franchise quarterback. So again, I mean, at least at least there'll be a, a fun bad team because if you're a Giants fan, you can just watch Barkley work every day and that's just such a treat. So what's what's your opinion on this? Would you go with the running back Barkley or with uh, a quarterback like a, like a Sam Donald? Yeah. Um, I'll just kind of start by saying that I'm a fan of the like draft the best player available tactic or draft strategy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and that's what the Giants chose to do. And when I saw the Giants chose Sego Barkley, I was excited uh, for the Giants and for Giants fans just to have that offensive pairing of OBJ uh, and Barkley. And, and we've seen the dividends it's paid. I mean, he's uh, he could arguably be considered the, best player on that team just based on his output every game and how much they use him. Uh, and I think as bad as Eli Manning has been this year, he would be even worse without Saquon Barkley. Uh, if, I mean, not that it matters how good the Giants are this year because they weren't going to be very good. But yeah, you, you mentioned that at least they're exciting. At least they're getting some touchdowns, some yards, and some highlight plays because of Saquon. Um, but if they had drafted Darnold or Alan Rosen, anybody like that, at number two, um, and and forced him to play over Eli or anything. We're seeing what happens to Eli, where Eli is like a broken man every time he drops back to pass. Uh, he's feeling like, uh, and and it's 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 not sad to see because I enjoy seeing it because Eli Manning caused pain and suffering in the past. But uh, it, it's it's tough when you see a guy who has been a good effective. NFL quarterback for a long time, just totally stricken with fear every time he has to drop back. And since they're usually losing games, he has to drop back, you know, 35, 40 times a game. And why would you want to expose a rookie quarterback to something like that? If you had Sam Darnold with like yips after his rookie year, who says he's going to be even capable of being close to a franchise level quarterback down the year uh, down the line if he's constantly worried about getting sandwiched from his front side and blind side uh, so 
I, I mentioned this earlier in the year. Um, the Giants had three years to draft a franchise quarterback. They drafted a couple. Uh, they just released David Webb, who was the guy they drafted last year to possibly replace Manning. So it's been a long time coming. Uh, they they could have dumped Eli when he was like 34, and, and that would have been perfectly fine just based on off the production they've got from them in recent years. So, no, putting the blame on Saquon Barkley for why the Giants don't have a franchise quarterback is ridiculous because at this point he's the best thing they've got going. Okay, so the other story that I was looking at on ESPN was about Nick Bosa, where he's withdrawing from school to concentrate on rehab before the NFL draft. He had that core muscle injury. So I'm wondering what you make of this, I think. I wasn't. Ex- I mean, he wasn't going to be back for a while anyway. But I guess if if you're an Ohio State fan, then this kind of sucks because you were hoping to see him at the end of the year when it matters most. But I honestly think it's a smart choice for him, just because the NFL drafts really at the end of the day the most important thing coming up in his future, and he's he's going to be a really really good player for a long time. So I think just to, to have his future in mind is probably the best thing for him. And, in my opinion, Ohio State will still be there at the end of the year, which is, I mean, obviously so much talent on that, on that team. 7-0 and right now, number two team. Um, it's, so, again, it's unfortunate for, for college football fans, but I think it makes sense for him. So are you making anything of this, or is this just kind of a decision? Yeah, I, I, do think, I do think this is like a bit of a blip on the radar of the NCAA and college football specifically slowly, very slowly, monotonously, but slowly but surely moving uh, towards becoming a little bit more focused on the players and where the players have a little bit more freedom. Uh, we've seen it with the new transfer rules, the new record rules. Um, and, and we've seen it with players, you know, dropping out of bowl games to preserve their health and how that's worked positively for some guys. Uh, I think if guys kind of get serious injuries in their so-called like draft year, contract year, whatever you want to call it, uh, that they could make this move instead of possibly uh, pushing back a little too quickly, um, coming back for two games and, and getting re-injured or not fully recovering. I think it's a really smart move by Nick Bosa. We basically guaranteed top five pick just like his brother was um, and a guy who's certainly uh, forecast for success at the next level. I mean, especially at Ohio State because – uh, they've got a guy Chase Young who's coming after him and made back-to-back game stealing plays uh, consecutive weeks. So it's not like they need him. Uh, obviously, they would like to have him, and having him makes a difference. Uh, but at this point, it's almost a minuscule difference just based on the depth and level of talent that they have. All right. So those were just two stories that broke while we were while we were recording. That's always kind of interesting when when that happens. Um, so just to wrap this up, we've got a couple games next week. In the NFL that we can talk about in preview. Honestly, we were talking about this before we started recording. Kind of a weak slate, in my opinion. There's a lot of games that are pretty iffy. Thursday night and Monday night football is both just kind of bleh at this point. Monday night is Giants-Falcons. That's probably one they expected to be good, like like U.S. said, but it's kind of turned into a game that's just going to kind of blow. Um so now let's talk about Ravens Saints. This is the Saints are good. We all expected them to be good. They've looked after a real sort of strange start to their year against Tampa Bay. They've they've ride the ship. They have Ingram back and they run him heavily last game, I think, just to get him back into the rhythm, back into the flow of things. So now they should be off and running. Ravens are a team 
we didn't expect them to be four and two. That defense has looked feisty. Offense has been passable. Joe Flacco's been all right. They're riding with guys like, like Alex Collins and it's working for them. I honestly, I gotta go with the Saints on, on this one. I think the Ravens are at home, but I still don't believe in them. I don't think the talent's quite, is quite there yet. I think they've gone off to a good start, so I give them credit, but I could easily see them winding up at around eight and eight or so at the end of this season. So I'm going to take the Saints for now, and I honestly feel pretty comfortable about that. What about you? I think um, this is this is really just a good example of a true offense versus true defense kind of game. Uh, I, I like how you describe the Ravens' offense as passable. Uh, it certainly is passable, but I don't know if it's trustworthy. And the same thing for the Saints' defense. Uh, obviously, it was overshadowed last year by how dominant their offense was, but it kind of the offense can cover their tracks a little bit, but sometimes uh, not enough. Um, I, 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 I'll take the Saints um, in this game because it's Drew Brees versus Joe Flacco, and I think Drew Brees has seen a lot of defenses, and he's seen better defenses than this Ravens defense. But I will say, uh, if the Ravens can manage to get 11 sacks again, uh, then you can definitely pencil them in for a win. All right, so we're having some technical issues again. So. As always happens with us, it's it's always kind of a mess. I'm not sure why with, with me and Arthur. Uh, so we're just going to go rapid fire through these last two games that we were going to talk about. Again, kind of RA games all, all week. Nothing, to me at least, really stands out. Maybe New England-Chicago will be good. Maybe New England will just run all over them. But let's, so we'll go quick. We'll go Carolina and Philadelphia. Two teams that have been up and down. Eagles uh, able to right the ship somewhat last week with Carson Wentz looking like his old self, which is always good to see. I don't really know. I'm 50-50. My first instinct was to say Panthers, but I'm st- but as I sit and stare at this game for longer, I'm thinking Eagles. So off the top of your head, would you go Carolina or, or the Eagles? I'll say Eagles for now. Oh uh, yeah, I, I go Eagles too. I think it'll be a close game. Um, still not really sure what to make of Carolina, but the Eagles, uh, if they're going to stay as a championship team, uh, they have to win these type of games, so I'll go Eagles. All right, and then last one, we've got Vikings-Jets, which a game that I will certainly be watching, but I still don't really believe in in the Jets. I think they end up with like six wins. They've had a pretty easy stretch to start off the year in terms of schedule-wise, and I as I do love what I've seen from Darnold the last couple of weeks. Really, like we talked about moving the ball up and down the field. He's a guy where you know that he'll be able to put some points on the board, or at least put his team in position to put some points on the board. But a lot of holes. Minnesota got off to a shaky start, but that offense is looking awfully good. With You talk about Cousins, you talk about Thielen, you talk about Diggs. They're just really, really good. So I'm going Vikings. And that one, not particularly I'll give I'll give Jets a, a bit of a first half lead. I'll say they leading at halftime. If you want to take a Jets first half spread, uh, I I think that that could be a possibly wise investment decision. But yeah, uh, like it, it's it's a talent thing, similar to sort of like Patriots Bears. It, it's it's a pure talent thing in this situation, uh, and you can almost bank on a couple Sam Darnold turnovers uh, and against the Vikings defense that. At this point, kind of needs to prove that they're still dominant and tops in the league. I think they'll come down hard on the rookie quarterback and come away with a win. All right, so that will 
do it for us, another week in the books. Uh, again, middle of October, so always lots of good stuff to talk about. NBA season is starting this week, so when so when you will hear this podcast, it will be underway for a couple of days, which is great. So next week, if, if anything big happens in the NBA, we'll be right on that. MLB playoffs are just rolling along right now. NFL, obviously, college football, really starting to get into the swing of things. So it's an exciting time for sports. So Arthur, always good to have you on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great to be here. And thank you all for tuning in. Had a lot of fun. Hope you enjoyed it. See you next week.